Welcome to Green Axe with Penilla and today's green hero, Amanda Bunecke. Of course, it's my pleasure. Um, Amanda, you say that it's possible to change people's minds, to make people passionate about something that they didn't really care about before. Exactly. One of my many slogans. <laughs> How? How is that possible? It's about uh, positive leadership and to almost like a value-based leadership. A totally new style to lead in, especially in my industry in construction and demolition, where people usually lead with the, the woodpecker approach, as I call it. They have a very negative approach. The woodpecker, they they often say, "You're doing this wrong. This is not okay. You're doing it. We're supposed to do it my way." And I do the completely opposite. My leadership style is called the rooster. It's more like an alarm clock out on the construction sites every morning. Now we're going to work with sustainability. And how would you like to work with sustainability in your specific process? And then we have a dialogue about it and they can participate in what solutions they would, would, would like to have. That sounds yeah very new thinking. Mm, yeah, everyone should be the rooster yeah. <laughs> instead of the woodpecker. <laughs> but it's also about measuring positive results. The, the woodpecker always measure what goes wrong or maybe measure things in a negative way, like how much ener energy we are decreasing in usage. But the rooster would be measuring something in a positive manner, maybe how much waste we are reusing. Instead. So it's not about minimizing, it's about increasing our uh, sustainability actions. And then the, the, you would minimize as well, right, as a exactly. result. Exactly, but it's about how you communicate about things. People mm. will tend to not want to be part of the negative communication approach, but if we talk about it in a positive way, you will have a positive mindset about it. I have even easier example, like... Um, when I was a kid, I, I didn't call it homework, that I was supposed to do my homework after school. I call it the fun hour, because mm -hmm. it meant the fun hour where I'm supposed to learn something new. And it, it's, it's exactly the same mindset that you talk positive about something. And then it's like you, it's a communication key that unlocks sustainability behavior. How do you, what, where did you get that idea from? Um, it's actually about... Uh, how you increase your self-value, kind of. And that's the communication tools you get when uh, when you go a self-value course, how you think positive about yourself instead of thinking about you in a negative way. So I kind of build confidence not only in me, but I build confidence for the entire construction industry. And then I just use sustainability as an approach. But it's basically the same thing, building up people and building an industry. Hmm. Empowering. Yes, true empowerment. Hmm. And for listeners who doesn't know about you before, um, what do you want us to know about you? Yes, so in Sweden I'm called the sustainability profile of the construction industry. Other name, names for me are the queen of reuse. I reuse a lot of uh, concrete, especially, which has been my niche. 
but I also want you guys to know uh, a bit personal stuff that I usually never share. I'm a scuba diver. I love scuba diving. Usually I plant uh, corals every year in the Red Sea in Egypt in November so that we increase our uh, coral reefs. Mm. Uh, love to do that. I'm also uh, trekking and climbing mountains as a hobby. Wow, so very active, sporty. Everything that uh, is about nature, I, I love. Like, I love spending time in nature. Bird watching is one of my hobbies as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit different. But yeah, connecting to the woodpecker. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I use a lot of bird references in my, in my leadership uh, education that I train. But it's also, uh, since my target group are usually men at the construction site, it also gets easier when you have the rooster, for example, since it's a male symbol. Oh. So they can relate to that. Oh, okay. So that makes it easier for you to get out your message, basically. Yeah, exactly. And they can, mm. they kind of can, kind of uh, can relate to the rooster in a way more than how more than how they can relate to me, because they and that's why symbols are so powerful in communication. Oh, okay. So symbols is one tool that you use to communicate. Yes, um, absolutely. Symbols that have a positive value for it already in the symbol is a very easy way to unlock behavior or to make someone understand the value like when I talk about uh, reusing bricks I see all these huge containers with bricks just going into landfills but I talk about them as gold bricks and that's that's like you just throw away gold into landfills and that kind of like oh yeah maybe that's not so, so good that we just throw them away materials and throw away money and then they understand that they are doing wrong but using gold as a symbol. Hmm, lovely. Do you have other tricks or keys on how to communicate, to engage and inspire others to, to put more efforts into their sustainability work? And make it as concrete and concise as possible. Sustainability, can, for example, can be a word that is valued in a negative way for a certain target group. And then you can still access them by just by not calling it sustainability. Like, um, there's probably a few companies out there who will say that the sustainability will never be part of our identity. But if you call it quality work, um, almost 100% of the companies will say, of course, we will increase our quality. What can we do? Mm. So just by naming it something else will unlock behavior as well. What changes have you seen during your time in your professional life? Oh, so many. So, so many. Almost every day. And that's why I call it how to make people passionate about something, about something that they don't care about. Mm. But I think one of the most proudest moments that I have is converting our machine fleet into be total fossil free and to not have like an uprising <laughs> by the construction workers but that everybody was just on board and everybody understood the concept of why we're converting the machines and that was really cool because it has all about the communication to do and how did you manage to communicate in ways that made people motivated by doing this kind of make them uh, participate in 
in the conversion and how what oils are we supposed to use what fuel uh, what are your values i mean for most of our construction workers it was very important that the, the hvo fuel was also uh, free from palm oil and maybe i wouldn't have thought of that myself if i haven't asked them what they value mm. so just by listening to them we created the um, we could buy an oil that was also fossil free, but also palm free, uh, um, free from palm oil. So then everyone was on board. And that was really nice to see that just democracy, deliberation, and dialogue, all those are keys to sustainability work. So everyone should feel involved and get involved somehow. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it's almost about not seeing sustainability as an environmental problem and that can be a bit controversial to Mm. say sometimes that i don't see sustainability as an environmental problem i see it as a communication problem or um, a problem with conflict management so just by putting on those classes i get a different tool set of how to fix the problem so i that's why i fix it with communication tools instead of maybe more traditional tools in sustainability that would be lca calculations things that are so advanced that has more to do with nature science Hmm. rather than social science do you also think that there is a connection to to happiness and people's well-being absolutely definitely for sure and just making them feel part of something and that they are doing something valuable and that they are part of the journey of saving our planet and maybe that specific request that they had is the whole reason why we did the conversion at all in that way that includes so many and it makes them want to do even more because you empower them just as I can build self-value in myself, I can build confidence, self-value at the construction workers. Because that, that has been a thing as well, that at least in Sweden, the construction worker is like the scum of the society. It's often ex-criminals. They have dyslexia. dyslexia. They haven't finished high school. So they have very low confidence to begin with. And then when I tell them that they are part of this sustainability journey and that they are um, making up the request and that could even make that possible for that machine to be converted, they get so happy because they are they are so used to leaders not listening to them at all. So they feel listened to by being engaged as well. Yeah, because they they have only seen the woodpecker. They have never seen any other environmental person at the construction site. So imagine just having that as a sustainability person, the woodpecker on your shoulder every day, observing you like the typical inspector. And I, I think that's why they have so negative approach to sustainability in general, because they have only been like, pecked on mm. or shamed. or That's not how you change someone's behavior, I think. I mean, maybe for short-term behavior, but not long-term. And and you also won't satisfy the employees, right, and co-workers to work with. No, exactly. And that's, um, it's kind of like employer politics, almost. Like, mm-hmm. they, you have to value them and value their needs 
Like I can't uh, buy a special, I don't know, saw or tool mm. um, that is environmental friendly, but then don't really cut out for the work that they want to do. Maybe the machine is slow or they have lower capacity or something like that. And then even if it's like have all the environmental requirements, the personnel will still be not happy about it. So that's a very bad uh, solution. Mm. Often you need to think about the quality aspect, the environmental aspect and the work environment mm. aspect for it to be a long-term solution. Mm. Do you think that this also has to do with um, our habits? Like this is sort of like changing mindset, changing behavior. Does that also have to do with our um, habits, doing what we always have done and what you, we used to doing? Mm. Yeah, I see where, you go, where you're going. I think it's more about focusing on what we are doing worst. Or like, where is the highest climate or environmental aspects of our company and focus on those? I mean, most companies that I know or, or that I coach, they have so much work cut out for how they're supposed to sort their trash in the kitchen, but then nothing else. And, and the trash in the kitchen is so, such a minimal, minimal impact on, um, on, on the climate issue. And when you're talking about waste management in the construction industry, I mean, of yeah. course, it's the working site that is the, the most important in a waste management perspective. So that's where our focus is supposed to be. Mm. So when you have that kind of environmental work or sustainability work that is more symbolic, that's when it lo loses a lot of credibility. Mm. And I mean, that reinforces bad habits as well. Because they, they know that even uh, the solutions or the requests made in the company is just so little, yeah, so little impact, and you're not really part of that uh, legendary tale, or you're not the the leading company maybe in Sweden or something like that. Like you want to be part of that that journey. How do you communicate to? Uh, uh to your co-workers, to construction workers? How do you do that to, to get to know what they actually feel? Sometimes it's just about asking them, like, how do you feel today? Like, it can be, really be that simple. But then I have maybe uh, four out of 40 people that is, like, my key resources. Those are the people that I have located in the company to be very... Um, in charge of personal politics. They can be uh, work leaders, uh, quality leaders. They have some sort of character or persona within the company, have a lot of respect with the others. And then you kind of have to befriend them because they have a lot of influence of the others. So in the beginning at CES, CES is the company that, that I work for. Now in the beginning at CES, um, I just befriended those uh, people with a lot of influence and that helped me a lot to gain influence on others as well because they believed in me so then everyone else believed in me as well but that's the more advanced approach it can also be as easy as just asking how someone feels mm. because maybe that hasn't been done before they are not used to that mm. i mean and then when you ask them 
uh, how they feel, how has your day been. I mean, they already know that I am the sustainability like person of the company. So mm. automatically they will reply something that has to do with that just because I'm there. I'm reminding them of mm. sustainability in general. So it can always, it can be all from, you know what? I actually ate something vegetar- vegetarian yesterday. It was awesome. Like I didn't even ask them about that, but they are so proud and they really just want some sort of confirmation that they are doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> so that is uh, work-wise. Uh, if we look at uh, like uh, influencing others in your social network mm. or even family, friends, mm. um, do you have any advice there to to influence others to, to make people uh, act? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I do. And I have um, a very good example from my family dinners because I've been a vegan for almost 14 years now. Wow. And in the beginning, I was very aggressive on my family dinners. Like I, I wanted everyone to eat vegan. I always talked about vegan food. I could almost like force feed family members, like try this tofu. It's amazing. <laughs> it never worked. Hmm. Never worked. Uh, so I gave up. And a few years went by. And then I... Um, then one day I accidentally left one of my food, vegan food magazines at a coffee table at my family house. And it doesn't say like vegan food on the cover. It just say, I don't know, maybe gourmet food, something like that. And they thought that was really interesting. And when they open the pages, it doesn't really say vegan or vegetarian food. It can be like maybe broccoli, lasagna or something. It never says vegan. Mm. And just by leaving that magazine out, they started to eat vegan food. I didn't say anything, but they just, oh my God, this is a really good magazine. There's some good recipes in here. We should do this next time. And now it's a very common thing in my family that they eat vegetarian food. It's not a strange thing at all. Okay, so sometimes you just need to try other ways. (laughs) Sometimes it's not about persuading someone it's about inspiring someone and that's a different thing i can hear some excuses sometimes like Mm -hmm. uh uh, yeah i would love to eat more plant-based but you know what that will never happen because i don't know any recipes Mm. like that could be a common excuse Mm. um do you have the have you heard more excuses like that? And how can you, do you have any tips on how to approach such excuses mm. or? Yeah, I think an even more common one is that <laughs> like I ride the, the bus to work, so I don't need to eat vegan food because I'm already doing like my efforts uh-huh. or something like that. Mm. It's almost the same, same cognitive dissonance you tell yourself after you worked out then it's okay to eat like a candy or cake afterwards because you like you deserve it. Like you you did your effort. And already by using those excuses, like when I hear people talk about that, then I know, aha, so you know you're doing it wrong. They already know exactly what they're supposed to do. They also know that their behavior is wrong. And it's kind of them asking for help also. So for me, that means that they already have way on changing, changing their behavior. Wow. 
right? It's it's a very smart way to approach it. So maybe they they talk about it as an excuse, but it's psychologically it's something else because it doesn't reflect uh, their self image. Exactly, exactly. So they have to excuse themselves because they they know that they are doing something wrong. And if they already know that they're doing something wrong, that's halfway or almost more than halfway in into a behavioral change. So how can you help your friends and family, social network, and if you hear that, to, to push them in the right direction? I would say, especially with the transport thing, that but you then I would ask them that but you know that your climate or ecological footprint is bigger on your food aspect than in your transport. I mean, if you're already doing really good at one aspect, transportation, for example, then that's not an excuse for not being better at something else. Sustainability is a transition. It's not a goal that you're done in a specific day or you're never done. It's a transition. You always go on. And for me, that's very comforting because I, I can never really be finished. Like it's a transition. You have to be and be calm about that because you're not in a rush. Not at all. Mm. Yeah, and we can all improve in many areas. And, yeah, and there exactly. is exactly. And you just you just start with what you uh, love or what you think it's fun, or you start with the things that are the most environmental impacts like the food how you transport yourself how you invest your money and how what energy do you have in your house or apartment it's those four things and then if you have those four things then that's a great start mm. then you can start thinking about maybe writing to a local petition can you be some sort of environmental responsible person at your company but focus on yourself first and don't rush. I mean, sometimes when, when I talk to people, they want to be vegan, they're going to start bicycle and bike to work and everything and like that, but just in like a week. And I usually refer that to losing like 50 kilos over a weekend. Like it, it does, it's not long term to do it that fast either. It's a learning process, a transition. Yeah, because if you, you hit some obstacle on the way then maybe you think oh no i couldn't do this and exactly. i quit everything exactly <laughs> it's psychology right mm. yes very <laughs> have you always been interested in uh, like behavior psychology or self-reflection no not really i mean first it was only environmental science so i studied environmental science for three years but i felt like i already gained knowledge about things I already knew, like how nature, how humans affect nature and so on. But, and I never got the information on, okay, but how, I know everyone has this information already. How do we use that information to change their behavior? And so then I studied psychology as well, environmental psychology. And what is your biggest learning from, from learning uh, about environmental psychology? That the easiest as like sustainable sustainable behavior change comes from the systematic behavioral nudges and that is uh, a way to communicate the change 
And so that's kind of all the, the system settings that you do before. It's not really, and so it excludes the unsustainable behavior. I think the easiest example is the, the printer, that you have a system setting for it to always print double pages, making it impossible for everyone at the office to print one page. So mm. that's how you exclude the unsustainable behavior from the beginning. And that's, that's the absolutely easiest way. You don't give people the choice, basically. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And like the systematic changes for transportation is uh, to change the fuel, to convert the machine to be fully electrical or only on fossil-free HVO. So then it's impossible for them to drive unsustainable because they have a sustainable fuel. So it also it changes the how you who's responsible for the change. For in a company, for example, they usually put a lot of responsibility on the single employee, and I think that's wrong. I think the most responsible should be at the leading positions, at the CEO, and that's why uh, systematic changes work so well in a company because. That that may means that the leaders took the most responsibility and not the employees. They should just be able to work on as usual and mm. not think about being sustainable all the time. That's our job as a leader. Mm. And that also sends a pretty clear message if you have that leadership as well within the company. Yes, exactly. If we look at the private sphere again um, how can we take sustainability leadership uh, in our network to inspire others mm. I think it should be fun, easy I mean really think about the fun aspects of being uh, climate neutral or climate positive or sustainable or whatever we're going to call it just mm. make it fun and uh, you start with the things that, that matters, with the food, how you transport yourself for work, how you invest your money, and investing green energy in your housing. Because that's the things that will have the most impact. That's very valuable. Uh, and uh, investing money, do you have any extra tips mm -hmm. on that point? Because that, that can be a bit tricky, at least what I think. Mm, at least in Sweden, you mm. can uh, change your pension. Mm. to only sustainable stocks. That's very efficient. That's also a systematic change. I mean, you do it once and then it works like that forever. Yeah. Um, other ways to uh, invest like sustainable but privately would be uh, in solar panels, I think, abroad. I invest in solar panels mainly in Africa and then I get profit back. It's about 6 to 8%, so it's very high. Very, very high return. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and and you also make a good impact. Yes, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the best invest to do. I invest more in, or I believe uh, as a private person, uh, in the solar panels type of investment rather than planting trees and such. Because the planting trees, it's, it's also a very good investment, good return, but they change... Is too slow. I mean, you wait maybe 20, 30 years for for the tree to grow, and our planet don't really have time for that. Like we need change now. So then, I believe in 
the energy mix more. What else do we need to do to move fast on a system um, perspective? It's not enough just to know, but we actually need to go from knowing to action. Mm. Both uh, from a company perspective, but also from like private persons, politicians, mm. everyone. Mm. And everyone can do something as well. Like everyone can um, just uh, take a shovel and dig where you stand. Like what are the solutions or the climate impact that you have where you are today in your positions or as a public citizen? Like what can you do? Um, and it's all, I think... The an important thing that we haven't talked about yet is the exponential kind of climate tr transition that we need to make so that we can decrease the uh, climate emissions. And I think for Sweden, that is that we need to uh, decrease our climate emissions by half just the coming decade. So that kind of tells for uh, how much that we need to do, yeah. especially as companies. And especially as an industry, sustainable industry, sustainable construction, we have so much to do. So you will keep working on this? Yeah, I'll keep working <laughs> on it. I mean, um, the company that I work for now, CES, it's, we're starting almost to be climate neutral because we, we use so much concrete. And we also have uh, a fossil-free machine fleet, which is very unique. Mm. Uh, we're absolutely the leading demolition company in Sweden, but we might be at the European scale as well. We haven't heard of anyone doing the work that we do. So now we did that change, not in a decade, but in six months. So we want to show the industry that this is totally possible if you just have the money to invest in it. So now we're just trying to teach the rest of the industry to follow in the same tracks. So you think it's possible to make these changes rapidly within this time frame that we have? Oh yes, of course. I mean, you can look at other exponential transitions that we have been doing through history. Digitalization was one in the 80s and how quickly that's changed as well. So, and if we sustainability um, um, had the same exponential uh, rate as technology has today, then we would, <laughs> then we would have um, like saved our planet in five years and three months. Wow. So technology is not an, like an excuse either. Like we have the technology, we have the right investments. It's more stuff that we need to think about. That's why I often talk about sustainability as a communication mm. issue and not an environmental issue because that's usually not a problem anymore. Interesting. And you're also writing a book regarding yes. this communication and keys. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, uh, it's been a bit delayed due to the pandemic. But yes, I'm writing a book. It's Right now it's called uh, How You Make People Passionate About Something That They Don't Care About. Kind of like a hundred ways to communicate about sustainability. Wow. So it will be a handbook specially made for people work in working in companies because sometimes I can feel feel kind of alone usually you're only one environmental person per company so you're uh, a lot doing the work by yourself 
and this handbook will be kind of like your colleague. So when, when the time that you have read, it, read the whole book, then you also have the company's first uh, sustainability like leading system. So it will be very, very practical. And when do you tend, when do you plan to release it? Uh, June next year, June 2021. Wow. That sounds very exciting. Yes, it's going to be amazing. And hopefully it will help a lot of uh, communicators, leaders, sustainability people who wants to create this exponential uh, climate transition that we need to have to stay within the 1.5 degree targets. And you are also a recognized speaker. You've been nominated to Speaker of the Year. Yes, in Sweden. That's an amazing, amazing nomination. And I'm so thankful and so happy for it. The other uh, nominees for the award is Greta Thunberg and uh, Anders Tegnell. Wow. <laughs> so you're among those names. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and they really insane. And it's only for my work in the construction industry and before the award i wouldn't really consider myself as a as a speaker because i don't think that i'm that with uh, rhetoric uh, what's it called and I'm, I'm not that good in rhetorics to being correct rhetorically mm. but uh, that's not the point uh, with this with being the speaker of the year it's about having a voice within my industry and speaking for a lot of values that are usually not, not heard at all. I often talk about my industry or maybe the sustainability bubble. It's, it's like a, a soap bubble. Like you can totally see through it. It's transparent. Uh, you kind of know the trends, you know the people to talk to. But the construction industry, it's more like a, a metal ball. Kind of, You have no idea what's going on because it's so much corruption, almost no digitalization. So my main focus right now is to make that metal ball a little more transparent. That that, that seems like a fun challenge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of work to do, but I love it. Why do you think that people love listening to you? Uh, I think they can relate to me. I often, when I was a kid, I was always the loud one, always told that I'm too extravagant, too colorful, too loud in general. And I try not to listen to that, but all those voices, it kind of made me feel like I'm not, I didn't really feel like home anywhere in any industry, not at all. But I continued to be loud and like listen to my inner voice and uh, keep my head high uh, and kind of thinking about the only thing, the only voice that matters is my, my own. And then suddenly when I came into the construction industry, being loud, extravagant, brave, all those were qualities that was the key to my success at all. Like if I didn't have those traits, I wouldn't have made it in the construction industry. I would have just faded among the others. Mm-hmm. So I, I stand out a lot from the crowd. And that's fun. And you making sustainability fun. Yes. Yes. That's so important. Fun, easy, creative. And one of my slogans is that sustainability is for everyone. 
sustainability made simple because that's that's what the result should be mm. and that also helps people identify themselves with that and mm. encourage everyone that we can do something exactly like for yeah. the first time maybe people hear someone who talks about sustainability that never mention the world is going under a person that doesn't shame them mm. so i kind of become that person that they want to ask or want to be inspired from because they're not really af- i don't know afraid to approach me they, they feel more comfortable because they know that i have struggled too when i was younger mm. they feel trust mm. yeah okay so to sum up um your key takeaways to influence others to act on climate mm. we can try to summarize <laughs> the episode I mean, yeah the first thing we talked about was the was about positivity and not only being like glad and happy it's about a very strategic mindset on how to change people behaviors so being positive uh being the rooster that that's a one of my best tips that i can get to everyone who listens uh also dare to stand out because that's kind of how you find the people that believe in you the most and you you will really find those people who are exactly the same as you uh, that also uh, like listening to your inner voice it's i guess it's kind of me believing in, in destiny as well like i i kind of believe that if you don't follow your inner voice you will never end up where you're supposed to be you're only living someone else's life so always trust your inner voice and you will end up where you're supposed to be um and communicate about your mistakes even if we talk about sustainability transition that it's not a journey that you're supposed to do alone that we do it together so talk about mistakes talk about what things that are hard for you to accomplish and you will probably get help from from the community because we are a very strong community globally and locally yeah we're many out there the ones to um great change and also help each other mm. um in these small steps mm. yeah i think so yeah and the rooster is my probably like the most fun one <laughs> so so funny everyone should become the rooster yeah and it's also so easy to remember that one because you get this image in your head and you can connect with this rooster yeah and that sometimes when you think sustainability is hard or you're up for like a really tough challenge i usually like channel my inner rooster like no come on i can do this like it's a way to coach yourself as well and to um to keep yourself in a proper mindset if you have a lot of i don't know bad voices around you Mm. keep yourself uplifted yeah yeah (laughs) thank you very much thank you for enlightening us (laughs) 